Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. Oh 
Let us pray together. God, the prophets come to us. Sometimes we have the eyes to see them. Occasionally we have the ears to hear them. But all too often, we have neither. God, we don't like to hear hard truths. We don't like to address real problems. We don't like to think of others before ourselves. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for the ways we mistreat each other, for the ways we brutalize creation, for the ways we ignore those on the margins and refuse to hear the voices crying out in the wilderness, declaring your truth. Forgive us, God, and hear us now as we pray together silently. Glory be to the Father, glory be to the Son, glory be to the Spirit, three in one, as it Friends, hear the good news. God's grace is sufficient. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. We are set free, forgiven, called to forgive, loved, called to love. Let us live in peace with God, with this earth, and with one another. Alleluia. Amen. And now for Holy Interruption. Hey, Downtown Church, it's Chelsea Art coming here from the sorority house where I am a house mom. Uh, since the students have been back this semester, it's been really fun and kind of crazy, and it kind of feels like we're getting back to um, some sort of normal place here. Uh, and with that being said, I've been thinking a lot about how I've been able to maintain some of that intentionality that I had when everything had slowed down and, you know, my students weren't here, the house was empty. So uh, I've been really thinking back on that time and finding ways that I can keep that in my daily life now that things seem to be back up to almost full speed. And of course, one of those ways is uh, being able to meet with you all on the back lawn on Sunday mornings. That has been such a joy. And I'm not one that likes cold weather. So even through the cold, I've been able to bundle up and uh, really enjoy that time and hearing the word from our pastors and seeing all of your lovely faces. Well, I hope you guys have a great Sunday and hope to see you soon.
If you're enjoying this podcast, we invite you to pass it along to a friend who you think might enjoy it too. Our scripture reading today comes from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a boy. You shall go to all to whom I send to you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And then the Lord, the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, now I have put words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over the nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. The title of today's sermon is, Here Comes the Prophet. Here comes the prophet, a teenage boy who goes by Jeremiah. And his voice is cracking, and his sense of self is unsure. Still, all eyes are watching him for the things that he is posting, for the words that he is saying that contradict the politicians, and the priests before him. Here comes the prophet Jeremiah, and he is saying that we must be cautiously optimistic, that we can't let our guard down too soon now that the Assyrian Empire, our neighboring enemy, has finally loosened their grip on us. And as we're finally regaining our nation's independence, we are eager to celebrate. He says we must repent of the ways we have caused harm. He says, we must seek God's will. He says, woe to us who act out of our selfish wants, not desiring, not considering the struggles of those around us. Here comes the prophet, and his message is not popular. His friends quit inviting him over to play basketball after school. His friends quit asking their parents if he can come over for dinner. A teenager's worst fear is realized when the entire world, or seemingly the entire world, has decided that he no longer matters. We don't want to listen to what he has to say. We don't want his company. Here comes the prophet Jeremiah, and he didn't ask to be a prophet. No one does, I suppose. God chose him in a way that is undeniable. God says, you, you will be my prophet to the nations. You will speak and tell the truth that I have placed inside you. And Jeremiah, he didn't want to. In addition to the rebelling Against his human parents, as teenagers do, Jeremiah, he feels an even stronger rebellion to his divine parent, God, 
God is calling him to do something he knows will make him no friends. God is calling him to speak when his voice is still cracking and sounding like he's not ready to be this grown up. God is calling him to tell the truth. I've got you, God says. Here comes the prophet Jeremiah, and he joins a litany of prophets before him, humans of all ages and all eras and personality types who are called by God to do something that they don't want to do. It's Moses and Aaron and Miriam called to leave, lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. It's Deborah and Joshua leading with their wisdom and all the kings from King Saul and King David to King Josiah the prophets Amos and Isaiah and Habakkuk, Jeremiah, he joins up with all of them with the only natural response many of us would have when God calls us to do something we don't want to do. We say, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'll admit Jeremiah is a little more nuanced than that. He says, no, I'm not ready to do that. God does not coerce. God points us to our conscience, to our desire to pursue truth that is present, embedded in our DNA. God says, I knew you before you were even born, and I made you holy way back then. Here comes our prophet, Jeremiah, and he cannot deny what he knows to be true. The people of Judah are celebrating too soon. Yes, there are indicators that their long suffering is over, but there is more to come. And it matters right now. It matters how they care for one another, whether they care for one another, or if they just avert their eyes from the pain and suffering to something hopeful, something new. He's warning, he's warning the people of Judah that they can't just have this, this faith that God's going to see them through no matter what. No, what they do matters to God. Here comes the prophet. And when he speaks up, he is not received kindly. In fact, he's not received at all, not until much later when his words prove to be true the people of Judah then want to publish his words because they must make meaning out of what they have endured. The survivors of the suffering, they need these words. They need ways to make sense of the pain. And prophecy written down like this is the antidote to despair. If we write it down, we reclaim our story. If we write it down, we acknowledge the pain and release it. If, if we write it down, we will see that the story is not finished. And so we write it down on a piece of paper. We scribble with a pen on our breakfast napkin. We type furiously between meetings because we need to capture in words what is happening even if we can't make sense of it right now, we must write it down for meaning will come with time. A name for this era of disruption that we are experiencing will come in time. And we must write it down to pass it on to our children and our children's children so they know what we have endured, but also 
because they need to look for the prophets. Here comes the prophet Jeremiah, and, and he didn't want to be right. He didn't want for this warning of destruction to come true. I don't think any prophet wants to be right. I think they speak up because they want those around them to change their ways, to seek the truth, to prevent, avoid any further harm. I've got to imagine that the life of a prophet, as full of truth as it is, is painfully lonely. Prophets live among us, and they warn us about the ways our lives must change, and we silence their voice. We protest them. They say, no, we we can control this our way. Prophets live among us, and they tell us that people are still dying. Maybe not the people in our household or in our extended family or in our school community, but the numbers of deaths are growing, and there are pictures, and there are names attached to each one. Like Richland County Sheriff Chaplain Terry Barrett, who died this last week of complications due to COVID. And y'all, he was between his first shot of the vaccine and his second. Or Stacy Blakely, a teacher at Carolina Springs Elementary School, died due to COVID. Their names and stories tell us that these deaths, they are unfair. They are taking the lives of service members, taking the lives of brown and black skinned people more than those with white skin. They are unfairly affecting those who are poor and already vulnerable. What we do, it matters. Here comes the prophet. And we don't like listening to them. We don't like being told how now is a time to be cautiously optimistic about our future. We don't like being told that we have to wait more. We don't like being told that now, after so much of our normal has been taken away, now is the time God is calling us to return, to repent. Prophets live among us, warning us telling us that this season of Lent is almost upon us, this season when we repent of our sins and draw closer to God. I don't know about you, but I feel like we've been in Lent all year long. A part of me wishes we could celebrate Easter now for months. And yet here comes the prophet. We hear their voice. We see their writing, and as much as they are telling us to stay vigilant and to care for each other, they are also bearing witness to the story of God bringing us through. And that is good news. Thanks be to God. Without 
Hey, Don. Hey, Lucas. You know, I have to say, every time in your sermon when you said, here comes Jeremiah or here comes the prophet, 
I did it like uh, Hamilton, like, here comes the general rule. (laughs) (laughs) Here comes Jeremiah. It doesn't really work as well, but I just thought about that. Too many syllables in his name. Yeah, about that introduction. Um, Thank you. I was digging the repetition this this week. Uh, It was a good word. It was, I don't really hear that many sermons from Jeremiah, especially from this opening part, but how did you land on this particular verse or this particular message of here comes this prophet, here comes this prophet? Uh, so we're we're kind of doing a sermon series, but we didn't like roll it out as one. Secret sermon series. See, this is a secret <laughs> sermon series on week three. We're telling you what it's called. Uh, but um, so each sermon that I've preached at least the last three weeks, and I think um, we're kind of going to stay with this theme a little bit, is... Um, paying attention to how God has uniquely designed us to be and um, and then hopefully finding the courage to be that person and use our voice and, and share our gifts with the world and particularly where um, God is calling us or where there's need that we could fill. Um, so that's how I landed on the Jeremiah the Jeremiah scripture because it's Jeremiah's call story. Um, but then I just um, I just couldn't deny how um, I don't like listening to prophets. <laughs> and so um, and it you know that's that's who Jeremiah is being called to be. So I um, yeah, I think in my head that the here comes the prophet in my head took on different tones of like, yeah, of course, here comes the prophet or uh, here comes the prophet <laughs> or here comes the prophet, you know. Um, I just wanted to create some space for others to um, acknowledge that we have prophets in our midst and to acknowledge their own feelings about it, mm-hmm. response to it. And so you talk a bit about Jeremiah. I mean, he's this boy, he, and and he tells God, "I'm I'm just a boy. I can't be a prophet." And and you use words like he probably wanted to rebel against God or rebel against uh, authority. And I'm wondering what teenage Dawn was like <laughs> and, and, and what, um, what did you rebel against and what, um, what prophetic voices were hard for you to hear when you were as the same age as like Jeremiah was here? Mm, so I'm going to switch this a little bit. Oh, I think the reason I... I know the reason I wanted to highlight that Jeremiah is a boy when this happens is because I think some of the prophets among us are teenagers Mm. and tiny theologians, and um, you spend more time with them than I do. But but whenever I am around, I I can so clearly hear God in their questions, and I can see God not in their potential, but in who they actually are right now, the Mm. words that they are saying right now. Um, So... I just wanted to make sure that every young person out there listening to you and I knows that um, we need to hear their voice just as much as we need to hear those that have been seasoned and lived for a while and maybe voices aren't cracking, you know, so um, that that's that's important. And then, um, but I, to answer your question, I definitely was a rebellious um, pastor's kid and Um, I didn't get into a lot of trouble. I like to remind my parents that, like, they got real lucky with all three of us. Um, But I definitely didn't like being told what to do, and particularly if there wasn't a good why. Like, if someone couldn't answer my question as to why, 
I couldn't do something, then um, then we were going to have some problems, which. Um, <laughs> but that makes sense. That's good. I think that's critical. Critical, critical thinking. Thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. My parents are glad. I think <laughs> that long term I had that skill, but I'm certain they did not like it very much <laughs> in the teenage years. When I was hearing your sermon, um, I thought about this book called The Prophetic Imagination by Walter Brueggemann. And there's this quote that is kind of his core thesis. And he writes that the task of prophetic ministry is to nourish, nurture, and evoke a consciousness and perception alternative to the consciousness and perception of the dominant culture around us. And I'm wondering... What to you is the dominant culture around us that we as prophetic voices, as those listening for prophetic voices, need to create a consciousness alternative to? What is it that is um, clouding our ability to be the prophetic voices that God's calling us to be? Mm, Lucas. (laughs) I go deep, quick. Yeah, man. Yeah, you do. Uh, I like it. Okay. Like for me, I think it's impatience is one of those that it's like, I see it in my own like personal living in like the day to day of I'm just an impatient person. And then as a country, as a world, I think we're very impatient at seeing long-term about seeing that every action has a long-term effect. Um, whether it's coronavirus, whether it's, um, the care for the environment, whether it's care for the most vulnerable among us, I think God all throughout the Bible teaches patience, wait for the Lord, wait for the Lord. And, and I think it's, it's hard for a prophet to say, Hey, we have to wait. Um, so does that spur give you any time to think about your, (laughs) (laughs) thank you. Yeah. Yes. I think, um, one of, one of the truths that I'm seeing right now is that I myself, and I do think it is prevalent in our culture, we have a tendency to prioritize ourself um, ahead of, of everything. And um, and I think that that's just not the way that Jesus lived. Um, it is so much a part of our human nature, but it is, it is very much a, a prevalent part of our culture. And so I think for me... Um, there have been a lot of lessons this year about how decisions that I make affect those around me, and um, particularly for those of us, and there are many of us at Downtown Church who are leaders um, in our households, in our communities, in our businesses. Um, just what you were saying, like when we make a decision, it has long-term effects, and, and not even just long-term effects, but it affects someone that we don't see um, after this passage opening of Jeremiah, God asks Jeremiah, what do you see? And God, and Jeremiah names these two things, um, an almond tree, which um, is meant to show that God is providing for us, even when it doesn't feel like it. And then this um, pot that is boiling with water and it's about to tip over with destruction from the north. And that's like a, um, a prophecy that the Babylonians are going to conquer and cause more suffering that is to come. So Jeremiah is seeing these things and and it's being interpreted in real time. Um, And so for me, the thing that I keep seeing, Lucas, is like a dollhouse where all the rooms are divided and that we are isolated Mm -hmm. in our sphere. So whether it's our homes or our places of work or our communities where our schools are or our churches, like 
I feel this real sense of disconnect and that those of us with abundance can't see those without, um, those of us that are healthy can't see those that are not, those of us that are outside of the hospital system can't see those that are inside the hospital system. And so um, that's the image that I keep seeing and it it feels like a warning. Um, And I remember back in March, uh, somebody called me and said, how are you doing? And and that's when, it's so funny, we were like, you know, really bunkering down in our homes and scared to touch the mail. And, you know, <laughs> we've learned a lot um, about this virus since then. But I would just remember thinking like, like we posted posters on our, on our windows, like, hey, if you need groceries, like, give us a note, you know, like every, every human action, interaction became so difficult. And yet we were so aware, like there are people on my street or two blocks from me that don't have running water or don't have access to their food or Wi-Fi to get their kids connected to school. And yet I don't know their names. Mm. Um, and I feel like I do sense God saying, you know, it's, it's time, it's time to, um, it's time. And also it's not like, it's not, there's a reason that we're we're quarantined in different rooms in this dollhouse. Um, and what I hear from you is 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 grieving and criticism of of our own apathy towards these walls we've built. And I think that's really important in in prophetic lament in a way. And and I wanted to finish off our conversation with another quote from Walter Brueggemann. He writes that real criticism begins in the capacity to grieve because that is the most visceral announcement that things are not right. Only in the empire are we pressed and urged and invited to pretend that things are all right, whether it's in the dean's office or in our marriage or in the hospital room. As long as the empire can keep the presence alive that things are all right, there will be no grieving and no serious criticism. And I think it's important for for us as as Christians, for us as, as leaders, to be honest when things aren't right, to be honest when, when the pandemic is really causing us to struggle or when we feel alone or when um, there are walls between us and our neighbors. And, and that, that requires the voice of a prophet, and sometimes that's not easy to hear. I don't know that it's ever easy to hear. It's definitely yeah. not for me. I was like, oh, this sermon. Ugh, was, here comes was, the prophet. Was this a sermon that you needed to hear? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what tends to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely inspired me to, to be on the lookout for the prophets among us. Um, and when we hear those words or feel that feeling of discomfort, of getting defensive, I think it's a great time for us to ask ourselves, why? Why is this voice, why is this prophetic voice making me uncomfortable? What can I do about it? And what might God be trying to teach me? So thank you, Don. Thank you, Lucas. With that, let us pray. God, every time we say, for I am only, for I am only a child, for I am only a single mom, for I am only a high school dropout, for I am only a messed up sinner, for I am only a failure. You see us as your beloved creation. You see us as beautiful, unique, powerful, and prophetic. Lord, help us to be your prophetic voice. Help us to hear your prophetic voices that are so often silenced and diminished by the powers of this world. 
Lord, help us to hear the voices of the ones in the hospital room, in the classroom, in the prison cell, under the overpass, in the house next door, in the house across the ocean. God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that can be moved by the goodness of you and the goodness of our neighbors. God, hear hears now as we pray together the prayer that your son, Jesus the Christ, taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
for the benediction. May we make way for the prophets. May we listen to their voice. May we heed God's warning. And as you go from this time of worship, may the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the interruption of that Holy Spirit, may it be with you and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me slash give. Special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition and vocals brought to you by Van Anderson, Ben Irons, Clay Williams, Darren Woodleaf, Zanda Bose, and Lindsay Blair Simmons. Audio mastery by Drew Parker. Shelter by Tedeschi Trucks Band. Gloria Patry by City Hymns. Dry as Sand by Madison Cunningham, and Drifting Too Far From the Shore by Charles E. Moody. Music is covered under the license CCS number 11209. Scripture quoted from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, and Theological Musings and Prayer brought to you by Lucas Jones and Don Hyde.